we, they were better than us in the second half. There's no question. I mean, we couldn't we couldn't get anything going on offense, and 14 points isn't going to do it against the Saints. That's for sure. That is Dirk Cutter talking about the Bucks' first loss in three weeks. Yeah, they snap a two-game winning streak, losing to the New Orleans Saints. Welcome to a few extra bucks. It's our podcast here on PeterPirates.com. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. We appreciate them uh, hosting our uh, Saints-Bucks media party, which was a big success. Uh, I think the Saints won that as well. Uh, there, so uh, I'm going to bring Justin Thomas and our producer. Uh, we have some fresh off the stove sound from Dirk Cutter and Jameis Winston, right? We do, man. Wasn't that a tale of two halves? Unbelievable, unbelievable. Twenty-five unanswered points by your New Orleans Saints. Crazy. Yeah, Roy Cummings, our Buccaneer insider, uh, impressions of this one. Uh, you know, every most football games have a uh, kind of a, a turning point, a point of demarcation, so to speak, where you can say, OK, that's where uh, this game turned and uh, where somebody took over and it, it turned into a victory or a loss, however it goes. And this one, in this case, it was very apparent, uh, a blocked punt uh, for the Buccaneers uh, leads to really sparks the uh, the comeback for the Saints and uh a big comeback it is as the Saints end up winning the NFC South. And now the talk about the Buccaneers going to the playoffs is pretty much moot at this point. So uh, really a, a defining moment in the season really as well. We're going to get into a lot of different aspects of this game. But, I mean, Roy, they were up 14-3, to the Tampa Bay Bucks in the second quarter. And then, you know, they don't score after that. 25 unanswered points. I mean, it's, it's really, to me, if you're a fan watching this game, Needless to say, the players and Dirk Cutter are frustrated. I always think of the fans, though. They're craving for a winner. You get a taste the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I know it's a long shot to make the playoffs. But, man, if they win this game, they got a real shot here to make a move. They really do. And, you know, I think as a Buccaneers fan, you look at this game and, boy, uh, how can you not be encouraged despite the missed field goal? But how can you not be encouraged uh, with what you saw in the first half? You're up 14-3. to You're in control. Uh, you're moving the ball well. You're putting yourself in scoring position. Your defense is doing exceptionally well. Um, you do have the missed field goal, you know, clanks off the off the uh, upright. But at the end of the day, you're in control. And, boy, you think you, you come out. And, again, it starts off pretty well for you in the second half. You, you know, you, in essence, take the ball away and you force a fumble the first time around and you can't turn it into anything. And, boy, oh, boy, that just, um, that just did it. I mean, the momentum just shifted. Uh, starts to shift there, and then you go into the – you see you have the block punt in the next possession, and that's, you know, that's it. The game turns right there. It's amazing about sports how one play mentally can change the mindset of a football team, and this was the perfect example of that. I mean, after that one, all of a sudden, they're blocking better for Drew Brees and New Orleans Saints. They're running the football better. Defense steps up a little bit. I mean, every facet really steps up over one play. I mean, you saw that they put a drive together after that. They go for two and convert it. They go for it on fourth and one. I mean, the confidence of the Saints changed after that block punt. Yeah, it seemed like that block punt got the Saints out of whatever kind of funk that they were in for the previous week and ha- week and a half, let's say, because uh, obviously for the first half of this game, that wasn't the Saints that we remember uh, watching the previous, you know, 12 games or so. And all of a sudden, you know, here they are. <laughs> That's the Saints we all remember. And now you go back and you say, okay, now I think the Saints are the Saints again. Uh, they're once again, you know, they're back to being that team that uh, – 
definitely is worthy of winning the NFC South and possibly the NFC overall. So a scary football team that you can't let hang around, but the Bucks did and uh, gave them uh, just one or two few, oppor- you know, more opportunities than they, uh, uh, than they should have had. And, and a, a good Saints team, a good football team will take advantage of that. And the Saints did. At one point, the Bucks on five consecutive plays had a flag. They had 10 penalties for 84 yards. Here's Dirk Cutter on the penalties being such a dagger for the Bucks in so many ways against the Saints. Today, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, we had we had way too many holding penalties. I mean, that, that killed us. We went through a, a stretch there where we had a bunch of penalties right in a row. And, uh, you know, we just... We got dominated in the in the second half. They they uh, they shut us down. We have been shut down like that for a long time. He's really right about that. Here's some stats that are, that some the fans may find hard to believe. Um, 198 yards, 14 first downs, and 14 points in the first half for the Buccaneers. Second half for the Buccaneers, 32 total yards, mm-hmm. three first downs, and obviously no points. That that tells you the game right there. And what Dirk Cutter said. You're right. I mean, let's face it, the Buccaneers are a, a very good offensive team. They move the ball well, um, primarily through the air. Not today in the second half. They were shut down, and like Dirk said, uh, that usually doesn't happen to this football team. So um, you can, again, it, the, the, those turnovers, the, the missed field goals, and the block punt, which is like a turnover, um, those things have a negative effect. Just as much as they had an impact, a uh, positive impact, on the Saints, they had a, the same negative impact uh, on the uh, on the Buccaneers. Talking to Demar Dotson after the game, Demar Dotson told me, he "Goes, you know, we just didn't match the energy. We had them right where we wanted them going into the second half. We get the takeaway right away, uh, and we just after that, we just didn't match the energy um, that the Saints had, and that's how we lost the game." And he's right. It's amazing. You know, we talked about how this game turned on the block punt, but. You know, the penalties were such a big factor. And I thought, you know, I was really impressed by the Bucks early on. I mean, you could tell the tempo was different in this game because both defenses are better. I mean, the Bucks defense yeah. is better. The Saints defense is better. But, you know, all the weapons that Jameis Winston has, I mean, he found Evans, Mike Evans earlier for that 36-yard connection. But after that, Evans really wasn't a factor in this game. And then you look at Chris Godwin. I mean, he had 10 targets and one reception. Uh, you know, all these – I mean, Cameron Bray probably had the best game. He had two touchdowns. Jameis Winston has the comfort level there. But from Mike Evans to Chris Godwin, uh, you know, a lot of these guys weren't factors. Yeah, you're right. Mike Evans uh, taken out of the game plan, I think, a lot by what the Saints did. Uh, Chris Godwin sort of took himself out of the game plan. Yeah. He just didn't seem to have the focus today uh, that he he normally has. He wasn't finishing his routes very well. Um, there were a couple of times he didn't come back on a couple of balls uh, where he could have and, and uh, made completions. I thought Jameis Winston, you know, threw the right ball to him on a lot of occasions. And Chris Godwin, unlike Chris Godwin, just didn't go up and make plays today um, the way he has. You know, you mentioned Cameron Bray. Uh, I want to say something about Cameron Bray. This is a guy who had every reason to gripe and moan when O.J. Howard came in. I mean, he understands exactly why O.J. Howard came in. O.J. Howard falls to the Buccaneers at number 11 in the draft. You've already got one of the premier tight ends in the NFL, at least premier red zone tight ends in the NFL, a guy who regularly, uh, for the previous couple of years at least, had been up there in touchdowns among tight ends in the NFL, led the league, tied for the league lead one year, uh, led the league another year. All of a sudden, here comes O.J. Howard. And all of a sudden, Cameron Brake goes from being one of those premier red zone tight ends to being an afterthought. He never put his head down and moped. 
Instead, he put his head down and kept working, knowing that the opportunity was going to come. And when the opportunity came, he seized it, and he continues to seize it. Now that O.J. Howard is out, tight end is not just a position that is a weakness for the Buccaneers. It continues to be a strength because of guys like Cameron Brait, who scored two touchdowns today and now leads the Buccaneers in touchdown receptions with six. This for a guy who, again, started this season as a bit of an afterthought, could have made a bunch of noise about leaving this franchise, not being a part of it, knew that, you know, had to accept the fact that he's probably not the premier option or the top option at that position right now, but uh, instead just kept on working, knowing that his opportunity was going to come and took advantage of it. So, you know what? Kudos to Cameron Brait uh, for being the, the, the pro that he is, and he is a pro. Let's talk about Jameis Winston. Yeah, Cam Bray is a pro off the field as well. Great uh, with the media, popping in the locker room. Uh, just a well-rounded guy all around. But Jameis Winston um, had the late pick, almost went three games without an interception, but it was a late one. Kind of throw that out the window. But he was 18 of 38, Roy, 213 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, had some good numbers on the ground. Actually, uh, you know, once again leads his team in rushing. Yeah. Uh, five attempts, 47 yards, 9.4 yard average, some big runs there. Here's uh, Jameis Winston on his day uh, in uh, his, his against New Orleans Saints. Just complimentary football. We got to play better complimentary football. Uh, defense did a good job of holding, you know, one of the best offenses uh, in the league uh, for, for a long period of time. And uh, we got to help him out. And here's Dirk Cutter on his observations of Jameis Winston's day. I didn't think Jameis, uh, you know, was as sharp as he's been the last two weeks, but he also didn't turn the ball over. And, uh, you know, we had a, we were plus two in turnovers as far as offense, defense, the block punts, back punts a huge one. Uh, Jameis was under duress all day. Jameis got hit too many times today. You know, we can't, you can't have your quarterback getting hit that many times, whether it's, whether it's uh, scrambling, running, four sacks. I mean, that's, we can't get him hit that much. James Winston played winning football in the first half, uh, no doubt about that. And I think uh, what Dirk said makes sense. I don't think the, the pick at the end, uh, you're just trying to score points there. That That's immaterial. It won't be part of his evaluation. Um, yeah, the, the critics will put it in the numbers, say that the, the turnover streak is over. But uh, for me, it's not. I think he continues to be solid in terms of not turning the football over, as Dirk said. But the problem the, – the, and Jameis did a good job today for the most part in decision-making. The one decision he's got to make do better, though, and I've seen this for the last couple of weeks as well, uh, he's still got to do a little bit better job of just throwing the ball away when he's under duress. And he was under duress, as Dirk said, a lot today. Um, he took four sacks. Uh, I think at least two of those are on Jameis Winston. They're all on the line. But I think there's two of those probably where Jameis could have gotten out of there and thrown the ball away. He's got to do a little bit better job of, knowing when to get rid of the ball and just give up on that play so that he doesn't take a critical sack. If he doesn't take a couple of sacks, it's quite possible that maybe the Bucs can still salvage uh, some points on a couple of those drives. So um, he's got to be a little bit better there. But still, um, th this, is a game, this was a game that was not lost by the play of the quarterback. It, his play was not exceptional. Uh, the numbers suggest that. Uh, well, this will not go down as one of his better games. But it's, I don't think it should go down as a negative uh, game on his uh, on his resume either. I, I think this is a game where you still say uh, there's signs of growth there, but there's also um, areas where you can see he still needs to grow a little bit more. Yeah, Jameis Winston to me, you even see 
in a loss, and I know it wasn't as good as the last two games, but you still see kind of a different guy in some ways. The decision-making process, he's not forcing it as much and definitely making better decisions. Um, here's Jameis Winston on his decision-making. No, i got to get the ball out of my hands for the most part. Uh, but it's, it's really about just making the simple plays and executing. That's all. You were in that press conference afterwards. Uh, you could see the disappointment on his face because, as we talked about earlier, boy, off to a quick start. And <laughs> if they win this game, I mean, I, I mean, at this point, Roy, I really think they're done. I mean, you're going to finish 8-8, eight and eight, best case scenario. I just think it's too much to overcome. Now, how do you feel about this team right now? I, I feel the same way. Uh, look, I still think that they can rally win their last three games. Dirk Cutter could still keep his job. He can still finish strong and and uh, have a feeling, a good feeling going into next year. I still think that's possible. But in terms of what you wanted to accomplish this year, in terms of making the playoffs, uh, I think they all realized that this was the game to win. Think about it, and and this is tough to think about in this, you know, in the in the wake of this loss. But think about it: if they win this game, they're the talk of the NFL. They're one of the hottest teams in the league, having won three straight, uh, having been given up for dead. They're, they're alive. They just beat, you know, the likely NFC South champion, kept them from winning the NFC, from securing the NFC South right here, uh, beat that team twice on the road and at home. Uh, they're going on the road to a couple of tough places, but who says they're not good enough to win those games? Um, Jameis went, you know, again, all they had to do is just keep it up in the second half. And I'm telling you, you know, here's the little things. It's the little things, guys. Two missed field goals and a blocked punt. Give them the blocked punt. But if they have the two field goals, it's 20 to 3. And at 20 to 3, a 17 point lead, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that the Saints are out. But in the NFL, with the way the Bucks defense has been playing, a three score lead is something that this team, I think, can hold on to. And, and, and they were that close. And it was a couple of things. And here's the thing that's frustrating. When a kicker can't get his job, get the job done again. Yeah. And when you have a blocked punt, when it's special teams that kills you, the guys who are out there playing 45, 60 plays a game are the ones who look and say, what, what more am I supposed to do? Now, granted, the defense didn't play well in the second half. They, they kind of relapsed, you know, regressed into uh, what we, you know, everybody got frustrated with early in the season, giving up way too many yards and too many points, can't stop anybody, right? But at the end of the day, this game was lost by a kicker who couldn't make two field goals and by a special teams unit that couldn't block uh, for a punt. If, if those three – take those three plays out, and I think the Bucks win this game because I think it's a different metal thing. And that's what's going through the minds of Jameis Winston and every other regular player on his team. And that's tough to swallow because that's – that defines the season right there. It's always a, the littlest thing that this team seems to, um, to, 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 to let get them. I mean, almost every team has a, has a bad game or two where their quarterback is just terrible, throws four interceptions. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger does it against the, the Jaguars. They still go to the playoffs. Um, you know, what you can't do in this league is get down into scoring position and miss a field goal. You can't be in a punt situation at your own 30 have it blocked. You can't be in a in a punt situation, uh, in essence, at, at your at your own thirty, and then get a fifteen yard penalty yeah. because your center is an idiot, um, and get it back to the ten, which gives the New Orleans Saints 
the ball at, at midfield again. You can't keep giving teams like the Saints midfield possessions and expect to keep them out of the end zone. And, and these little things are what's killing the Buccaneers. And I swear to God, I'm sorry, folks, the coaches aren't coaching them to do that. It's the players that are not executing and making stupid mistakes and bad decisions. Is this season, when you look back at it, and to me, the, these Saints games are the perfect bookends almost. You had the opening game where Fitzmagic did his thing. You beat a team that had all these high expectations this year. And here we are three months later, and the Saints just won the NFC South the second straight year, first time they've ever done that in franchise history. And the Bucks are virtually out of the playoffs. How do you – I mean, is this a woulda, coulda, shoulda? Because you know what? Yeah. We break it down every week, all of the field goal kickers. If the kicker would have kicked his field goals, all of uh, you know, the running game could be there. I mean, it's like the same thing every week. And but then you know what? It kind of you have three or four components of the Bucks, and it changes every week. It's like this every week, and then it's this, and then they reappear and they reappear. Yeah, it's just you know they can't fix it. Right, you're right. And look, the defense is playing better. The offense is playing better. Not turning the ball over. I still take it. To, I still. I'm sorry. I, I take it back to the fact that the field goal kicker has missed numerous opportunities, and I know that's happening around the league more and more. But you know, we don't cover the. The Rams. We don't cover the the, the Giants or, or the Eagles. We don't, we don't cover the the Chargers. We cover the Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers, they've probably lost three games this year because their kicker can't make makeable field goals. In the NFL, you have to be able to kick a 40-yard field goal. It's that simple. And if you can't do it, your team suffers as a result. If the Bucs win two of those three games, think about where they are. Yeah. yeah. Just think about where they yeah. are. Yeah. It's a completely different story. It's a completely different season. They're alive in the playoff race. They're right in the thick of it. And, it, again, you're going to have games where the offense doesn't play well, where you turn it over and you look ugly. You're going to have games where the defense just can't seem to stop anybody. Those things happen. What you can't have is you can't have root, what should be routine plays by the, the, the most one of the most important players on your team, the kicker, cost you games, and that's what's happened to the Buccaneers. No doubt about it. Woulda, coulda, shoulda for the Pewter Pirates this season. All right, before we go, Roy Cummings and I are in the press box at Raymond James Stadium. You know, we work so hard. I think we're the, one of the last people here. That's, that's <laughs> how we roll. Uh, but before we go, Justin, you know what time it is. Three and out, three questions. We're out of here, and my theme is disappointment. The Bucs season is disappointing, but they're not alone. A lot of disappointment in the NFL. I mentioned the Saints won the NFC South, guys, for the second straight year. The only other franchise to do that in the NFC South was Carolina, remarkably. The Bucs have never done it. The Falcons have never done it first time for the Saints. My first question, the NFC South looked like it was maybe the premier division in the NFL. Was the NFC South a disappointment this year? I think it was. Um... I thought a lot. I thought the Falcons would have a bounce back year. I uh, really did, um, and I, I honestly thought Carolina would be a much tougher team. I, I expected consistency out of Carolina, just because you know they haven't had really the turnover uh, within their coaching staff that some of the other teams have had. You know, other teams have brought in. You know, obviously the Falcons have had to adjust to new coordinators and things like that. Um, you know, even the Saints have had some changes, but. Uh, uh, you know, the Bucks had theirs. But I, I just thought Carolina would be better. Surprised they're not. Really surprised Atlanta's not better. I understand, the, you know, injuries are, are a part of it. But, you know, even their offense hasn't been the uh, the, the, the unit that was, I think. So I would say definitely, that, look, we thought this was going to be the toughest uh, 
division in the NFC and uh, maybe the NFL, and it hasn't been. What do you think, Justin? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, Mike, you picked Atlanta to go to the Super Bowl, did you not? Yeah. That seems like 10 years ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, injuries have riddled Atlanta. I, I'm more surprised that Atlanta, their depth is so poor after losing so many of their starters. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the year, actually the first quarter of the year, everyone was talking about the NFC South being the best division, and now it looks like the total opposite. Yeah, I, I, I just think to me, I didn't know how good Carolina was for a long time. They were kind of exposed, and they finally gave Cam Newton some help. I mean, for years he didn't have help, and he even made a Super Bowl. They get him help, and they are who they are. I mean, they, they lose again to Cleveland uh, this Sunday. So the Falcons, to me, they have injuries. Everybody has injuries, though. I mean, the Bucs have had a lot of injuries. The Bucs are a disappointment. I think the Falcons are a disappointment. Um, the Saints were kind of predicted to be the team. I'm not really sure after watching the Saints the last couple of weeks that they're as good as they were a month ago. I thought a month ago this team is really going to go on a roll. I'll be interested to see how they play in those last three games. But the good news is they have Carolina in two of those three games. All right, speaking of disappointing, the most disappointing team in the NFL, who do you got, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, or Green Bay? I'm going to say Jacksonville because they were built, in my opinion, on two of the the biggest pillars in the game, defense and a running game. I understand this is now a quarterback-driven NFL, and it's all about passing, um, and they don't have a quarterback that really fits that mold or allows them to fit that mold. But um, they they kind of went old school last year and did things that nobody else really does anymore. They won with defense and running and a running game. And you know what? They didn't have either this year. And that exposes your quarterback, too. So um, I thought that team was um, ready to take a big step forward. Uh, I, I thought for a while the Packers were kind of getting stale. And so I didn't expect much out of them. Um, but I thought Jacksonville would, uh, would be a much better team. And uh, the fact that they're not uh, really surprises me. Justin, what you got? Well, since Roy picked my team, like he's been doing lately, he's been going with my – I'm going to go with Green Bay <laughs> to be the contrarian. Um, I'm actually shocked that Green Bay I, – I, surprisingly, I thought it was crazy when I said it. Y'all thought I was crazy when I said it. At the beginning of this year, I said Green Bay would narrowly miss a wild card spot, and shockingly, my prediction came true, but – I'm still, having said that would happen, I, I'm just amazed how poorly they've been playing. Um, Rodgers, even though he's statistically having a good year, it just seems like he can't get on the same page as everyone else. And now with Mike McCartney gone, curious to see how they'll finish the season. But, yeah, since Roy stole my Jacksonville pick, I'll go with Green Bay. You know, I was, I'm looking at the Eagles. I think Frank Reich, who uh, was the offensive coordinator for Philly last year, was maybe the the brains behind that operation. Doug Peterson, you know, I'm still the jury's still out on him, but you know, you look at the Indianapolis Colts beat a really good Houston team 24-21 this Sunday. That's a team, you know, Andrew Luck was just kind of coming back from injury, but they've surprised they're one of the surprising teams in the NFL. So I think Frank Reich is one of the you know bright, he's not that he's young, but young in terms of being an experienced head coach. I like what he's done so far. I think Jacksonville though, man. I mean I didn't get the whole Blake Bortles love affair. I thought that was a mistake. They should have signed yeah. like a Kirk Cousins. If, if Jacksonville brought like a Kirk Cousins in, I like to see that team because I think, I think a team you covered the Dilfer teams for a while when they had the great defense. I think a team gets frustrated sometimes when they're good, 
but the quarterback's not good. They have all these supporting parts. Right. The defense is good. After a while, yeah. you're like, you know what? No matter what we do, we can't win. Yeah, that does happen. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's human nature uh, to get frustrated. You're doing your job. You know, you have a guy on your team who gets a lot of, you know, he, he's not doing his job, and it's costing you every week, making your job even tougher. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day last year, Blake Bortles looked like he turned a corner. He looked like he became a serviceable quarterback, not a guy that you want, you know, you know, if you know, if I've got one game to win, you know, who who do I want a quarterback? It's not Blake Bortles, but he was serviceable. He wasn't, you know, making a lot of stupid mistakes consistently. He was playing better consistently, and I think they expected that to continue. But um, they certainly expected that continued largely because they expected the defense and the running game to be better. I'm surprised neither one of you guys. Well, I mean, you did mention the Eagles, but. See, the thing about the Eagles with me was I always thought they were kind of a team that kind of caught lightning in a bottle anyway last yeah, year. That's how yeah. I felt, yeah. Just kind of, yeah, just kind of rode the wave, Justin. And and uh, and so I, I'm not surprised that they've fallen back into the pack. Um, I think they're better than the 6-6 six and six they are right now, um, but not that much better. Yeah, it's uh, it's been – that's why the NFL is the best. You still have the New England Patriots doing their thing, even though that was an unbelievable finish in Miami against those guys. Um, all right, I learned something about Roy Cummings as we wrap up our three and out. You know, I've, I've known Roy for a long time, but we've got to know him better as we've started PeterPirates.com. I found out, Justin, Uh-oh. He, he's a twin. No! <laughs> he has a twin brother. What? Yes. And you know what? One week we're going to bring his – what's your brother? <laughs> We're going to bring Lee Cummings in and just see if our audience will we'll give him a Peter Pirate shirt and he'll, he'll break it down for us. He's a sports fan, just like Roy, in the sports profession. So because I discovered something new again about Roy, I'm going to ask you guys, and you can, you know, we can't use the Cummings brothers. Justin has to go first on this. Okay. okay. We screwed that up this week, didn't we? Um, who was your favorite twins, favorite pair of twins of all time? Okay. I got Tiki and Rondé Barber. I got the Olsen girls. And I got Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. <laughs> oh, man. You know what, Mike? I was hoping you weren't going to say Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger because that's what my pick was going to be. Um, I love that movie. Man, you know, I'm trying to think as you were mentioning some famous twins. I can't think of many. I can't think of any others besides the ones you mentioned. You know what? I researched it via Google uh-huh. and there were like the top 30 twins of all time. And I got to admit, I'd only heard of like four of them. Wow. I guess I'm not a big pop culture aficionado. Well, it sounds like Justin's taking Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that's that's who I was going to go with anyway, even if Mike hadn't have had them as a pick. So, throw it in there. <laughs> who you got besides the Cummings brothers? I got the Barber brothers. Yeah, because let's face it, uh, they were both really exceptional football players. Rondé's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, Tiki certainly had his great years, and uh, so I'm taking them. I was never a big fan. I don't know. The Olsen sisters were on a TV show of some kind. Is that Full the House. Full House. Yeah. Full House. Yeah. Okay, never watched it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I didn't like the Danny DeVito movie uh, with with Arnold Schwarzenegger because they weren't twins. <laughs> you were offended by that, weren't you? I was you? a little offended. Yeah. A little offended. It's like that's not that's not how it is to be a twin. <laughs> Don't make fun of twins like that. Um, but uh, I'm fortunate to be a twin. I can tell you that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right. Well, uh, I got to go with the Barber Brothers too. I mean, to me, what's amazing about those guys is. You know, you know, twins are a lot alike, but yet, yet different. But to me, how rare is it for those guys to excel at every level, yeah. at every level, yeah. and then to play in Super Bowls, to to you know play together and play kind of on both sides of the ball? You know, I mean, it's, it's just a great story. Well, be, being a twin, I can tell you this: 
you know, my twin brother and I have the same kind of mindset, the same kind of drive, uh, hmm. you know, the, the same interests and that kind of thing. So, and I think Rondé and Tiki are very much alike. I've talked to Rondé about it. You know, they're, they're just, they're very much alike. And, uh, you know, one kind of a little bit pushes the other. Um, you know, there's, there's no real sibling rivalry there. There's a, there's a, uh, a passion for each other that's special. It's a special bond. Um, but it's, you know, there's no real rivalry there. You're not because you're, you're so pushing for your brother to do so much to do so well that if he does, you know, he's better than you. It's like, that's okay. I'm, I'm happy because he did great. It doesn't matter that I didn't do as well. It's, it's a special bond. It really is. And I think that's what drives both of us. Who's older? You really, uh, my brother Lee is older than me by eight minutes. Or I kicked him out. As nice. Nice. <clears throat> well, behind the curtains with Roy Cummings, once again, we're going to try to, you know, delve deeper, uh, next, uh, few extra bucks podcast. <laughs> but that's three and out. That's a few extra bucks. Thank you, Justin Thomas. Thank you, Roy Cummings. Thanks to our title sponsors, house of brews and sea dog brewing company. I am merely Mike neighbors buckos, man. I think it's, I think that's it, but we're going to keep plugging away more podcasts and more video wraps coming up and check out our extra slice, uh, video wrap. We give you a little bit extra. Uh, we break it down on the field at Raymond James Stadium. Roy and I, one day maybe Lee, will join me. <laughs> All right, until next time, thanks for logging on.